Hotep, everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show. Welcome to the podcast of the African History Network show from Sunday, August 19th, 2018. We had a jam-packed show. Have a few uh, quick announcements for those in the Detroit area. Professor James Small of the Hidden Colors documentaries and 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti, will be at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Saturday, August 25th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. for a screening of the documentary 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti, from director Tariq Nasheed and Professor James Small is featured in that documentary. I will be there as well. Those in Philadelphia, I'll be, I'll be in Philadelphia uh, September 27th through the 30th, that weekend, for the All-Black National Convention, uh, the All-Black National Convention that Dr. Boyce Watkins does. Visit allblacknationalconvention.com for more information. Also, uh, Tuesday night in Detroit, Tuesday, uh, August 21st at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, 6.30 p.m. to about 8.30 p.m., um, the National Association of uh, Stockbrokers are having a event. They are doing their, um, it's a scholarship uh, award service, and they're going to have a panel discussion dealing with uh, an increase in racism on college campuses, and I will be one of the panelists. This is free and open to the public. It is Tuesday, August 21st. Uh, 6.30 p.m. at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, 315 East Warren Avenue, Detroit, Michigan. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com for more information or the right.org, W-R-I-G-H-T, the right.org. And if you want to advertise with the African History Network, Email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We put your 60-second commercial into the audio podcast of our radio show. And we have a special promotion right now as well. Buy one month, get one month free for a limited time only. Email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Here is the podcast in its entirety of our show from Sunday, August 19th, 2018. Today is Sunday, August 19th, 2018. And uh, we are live tonight. We have a jam-packed show uh, for you tonight, a lot to talk about. So uh, this weekend was the uh, 36th annual African World Festival at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. And uh, I was down there. I just finished doing a uh, presentation dealing with the film Black Panther, the film Black Panther. Um, I dealt with uh, lessons from the... Lessons from the film Black Panther, um, Economic Empowerment, Political Self-Defense, and How to Wakanda the Vote. Okay, so that's what I talked about uh, uh, during my presentation uh, tonight. We had a packed house uh, tonight for my presentation as well. Okay, so thanks to everybody who came out. Some of them may call in uh, during the course of the show with questions also. Okay. Uh, some of them may call in with questions during the uh, course of the show as well. All right. So thanks to everybody who came out tonight. Uh, we had a, a great time. They learned a lot also. All right. So we have a lot to talk about on tonight's show. Okay. Uh, there's a lot going on. I was in San Diego last weekend. Okay. 
And um, uh, I was at the Return of the Gods, the real family reunion uh, in San Diego. And thanks to everybody who came out there. I was an honoree this year, along with Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene, one of my teachers uh, as well. So thanks to Sister uh, Herb Alchemist, uh, Brittany, and um, Kateria, and everybody involved for the award I received. And I did a present. I did two presentations there, one uh, last week Saturday and one Sunday. And in the last segment of uh, tonight's show, I'm going to share with you the presentation that I did. It's about a 23-minute presentation. And uh, it was called um, uh, Great African Women and Men in History, the Mothers and Fathers of Civilization. Okay? And that's what I did um, on um, last week's Saturday. And it blew the people away. All right? So we'll talk some about that. Okay, so on tonight's show, I want to deal some more with the Stand Your Ground case coming out of uh, Florida because uh, the killer of Marquise McLaughlin has been uh, indicted, okay? And uh, it's uh, uh, extremely important because the sheriff um, sided with the killer and said, well, you shouldn't go around pushing people shoving people. And when you watch the video, it's clear Marquise McLaughlin, one, unarmed, two, was backing away from uh, Michael Draca, I think it's his name, Michael Draca, who shot and killed him. So we have an indictment. But some people have asked the question, well, so he was indicted on manslaughter, right? He was indicted on manslaughter. And some people are asking the question, well, why was he not indicted on first-degree murder as opposed to manslaughter? So we're going to talk about that tonight from a legal perspective. The reason why is is because when you are trying to get a conviction on manslaughter, first-degree murder, second-degree murder, whatever it is, the burden of proof is on the prosecution, and they have to meet all of the elements that are required to get a conviction on a certain charge. So there may be two, three, or four elements that have to be met by the prosecution to get a conviction. And in this case, the prosecutor said, we want to get a conviction based upon the evidence, based upon what we feel we can get a conviction on, as opposed to just having a charge of first-degree murder, and we don't think that we can meet the burden of proof. Okay, so we're going to talk about that, because there's a good article that deals with that. And then uh, August 7th, because it's been uh, August 5th since the last time we were on live, um, August 7th was Black Women's Equal Pay Day. Black Women's Equal Pay Day, okay? And a lot of people are not familiar with Black Women's Equal Pay Day, and I just talked about it. Um, I just talked about it at the presentation I did at the Charles H. Wright Museum um, uh, this evening. And uh, most of the people there weren't familiar with Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And it's extremely important for us to understand it and uh, deal with closing the pay gap because of uh, the average African-American woman has to work 20 months, has to work 20 months to make the same amount of money that the average white male makes in 12 months. Okay? This is why Black Women's Equal Pay Day is so important. All right? And we're going to talk about this. And when I was in San Diego last weekend, and I did a presentation dealing with Black Panther, lessons from the film Black Panther, 
economic empowerment, political empowerment, how to, and how to Wakanda the vote. Most people there were, were not familiar with black women's equal pay day. Okay. And uh, it's hard to fight what you don't understand. Muhammad Ali said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Your hands can't hit what your eyes can't see. Well, it's hard to fight what you don't understand exists. Okay. So this is uh, extremely important. And then this past week, I think it was Thursday, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Thursday. We lost the Queen of Soul. The Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, succumbed to her fight with um, pancreatic cancer. Uh, Benedict Donald on Twitter said Aretha Franklin is dead. Then, 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 in a, then in a meeting at the White House, he said Aretha Franklin used to work for him. <laughs> what was she, Florence the maid on the Jeffersons? I mean, come on. <laughs> but we're going to talk, you know, so there's been, you know, at the African World Festival this weekend, uh, they honored the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. And a lot of people just found out this week that even though Aretha Franklin was from Detroit, she was not on Motown Records, right? She was on Columbia Records and Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Records and uh, uh, Arista Records. She was not on Motown Records. Everybody from Detroit was not on Motown, all right? Um, just like all men from Detroit don't wear gaiters. Just, just <laughs> to clear that up, okay? But uh, we're going to talk some about Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. And I want to deal with uh, how Aretha Franklin's commitment to civil rights and equality changed hearts and minds. How Aretha Franklin's commitment to civil rights changed hearts and minds. And also, uh, we'll talk some about uh, when Aretha Franklin offered to pay the bail for Angela Davis, okay? Um, Black Panther, uh, Angela Davis of the Black Power Movement. Aretha Franklin offered to pay her bail. That was a good article about that as well. So that's real commitment, okay? Uh, and then also uh, in St. Louis County, St. Louis County, Missouri, a great story coming out of St. Louis County, and um, we know that uh, August 9th was the anniversary of the killing of uh, Michael Brown there in Ferguson, Missouri. Well, they had the election for the St. Louis County prosecutor, and uh, it didn't turn out the way a lot of people thought it was going to turn out, Right. And this is an example of African-Americans organizing and fighting back. We're going to talk about that also. I talked about that some in my presentation tonight uh, at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History. And more and more uh, African-Americans are realizing that uh, we need to get control of a lot of these DA positions, these prosecutor positions, these county prosecutors. And these are all elected um the prosecutors, the county prosecutors, the district attorneys, these are elected uh, offices, right? So we have the power to change a lot of these seats and get a lot of these idiots out of office and put somebody in office who's going to do the right thing. So we'll talk about that as well. And um, August 23rd, August 23rd is quickly approaching. Now, what's the significance of August 23rd? Well, August 23rd is the uh, International Day for the Remembrance of the Transatlantic Slave Trade and its Abolition. The International Observance for the Remembrance of the Transatlantic Slave Trade and its Abolition. And August 23rd 
marks the uh, beginning of the Haitian Revolution of 1791. Okay? So this is extremely, extremely, uh, an extremely important piece of history. Uh, between August, the night of August 22nd and the, uh, early in the morning, August 23rd in 1791, this is when you have the beginning of the Haitian Revolution. Okay? The enslaved Africans gathered in revolt against the French colonizers in St. Dominique, which is now known as Haiti. And at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, on Saturday, August 25th, we're going to be joined by one of my teachers, Professor James Small, because they're going to do a screening of the documentary 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti, which is from director Tariq Nasheed, who did the Hidden Colors documentaries. And this is, this is the documentary dealing with the history of the Haitian Revolution. Professor James Small is in the documentary, along with Professor Kaba Kamene, formerly known as Booker T. Coleman, another one of, my, one of my teachers. We were in San Diego together last weekend. And you have Dr. Wade Nobles in the, docu the documentary, Dr. Linda Jeffries, one of my teachers as well. It's a fantastic documentary from director Tariq Nasheed. Saturday, August 25th, 6 p.m., I guess it's 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. We're doing a screening of 1804. You don't want to miss it. Free and open to the public, okay? So we'll talk some about that as well, all right? So on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now is correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've, been, what you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events and history and politics and education and economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Also go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can sign up for the email newsletter there as well. And uh, you can also uh, register for the online courses I teach. We have them all on demand, including understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. They're in a bundle pack. You get uh, 10 of the online courses in the bundle pack for $60, regularly $130, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, all right? Okay, so um, NBC News has a good article dealing with the Stand Your Ground case out of, um, out of um, Florida, okay? And uh, this one is entitled, Michael Draca charged in Florida Stand Your Ground killing, but why wasn't it murder? Why wasn't it murder? And this is the question a lot of people ask, and it's more important to get a convic conviction than to get some type of impressive charge, all right? So in the article, it says, attorneys for the family of the Florida father, Marquise McLaughlin, who died last month following an argument over a handicapped parking space, thanked state prosecutors on Monday for filing a manslaughter charge against the gunman, Michael Draca, less than a month after the killing. Um, attorney Kelly McCabe, who is one of the attorneys for the family, for the Marquise McLaughlin family, said, we are very appreciative 
that the state moved fast in this case. And um, uh, Kelly uh, McCabe stated this at a news conference um, this past week, okay? And and the charge is a felony that carries up to 30 years in prison. Now, while attorneys for the family of Marquise McLaughlin also decried his fatal shooting as a quote-unquote cold-blooded murder, cold-blooded murder, uh, Pinellas County State Attorney Bernie McCabe told NBC News that he went with manslaughter after investigators and lawyers interviewed witnesses and studied the surveillance footage from the deadly July 19th, 2018 dispute. Kelly McCabe said the attorney for the, one of the attorneys for the family, because we know Benjamin Crump is, is handling that. So I think Kelly McCabe is with the Crump um, law firm. Kelly McCabe attorney said, quote, I went through it all and made the legal, let's see, Kelly McCabe is the, uh, yeah, attorney, uh, an attorney for the family. I, I, I went through it all and made the legal decision that this is the charge that we could prove, okay? Now, legal experts agree and say that uh, the state can already expect to face a few hurdles once the case moves through the courts and the defense mounts a likely stand-your-ground argument. Now, Michael Draker is the white man who shot and killed Marquise McLaughlin. Michael Draker is 48 years old and uh, made his first court appearance this past Tuesday, which was um, yeah, this past Tuesday, and was ordered to remain jailed on uh, $100,000 bond. If he posts that amount, he must wear an ankle monitor, surrender any firearms, and remain in Pinella, Pinellas County. Uh, a judge said, according to the Associated Press. Now, asked by the judge on Tuesday if he could afford private counsel, Michael Draker said, no, sir. And the uh, public defender's office was appointed the case. Michael Draker has not previously commented publicly on the shooting. Now, Anthony Rickman is a Tampa, uh, Tampa-based criminal defense attorney who has tried stand-your-ground cases and he said that the state sees a manslaughter charge as a surer bet. It's based upon what you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt in the court of law based upon the evidence. And the burden of proof is on the prosecution, not the defense. The burden of proof is on the prosecution, not the defense. Now, in Florida, a first-degree murder conviction can require that the state proves a homicide was premeditated premeditated, which goes to state of mind, which is much hard, which is hard to prove. While in a second-degree murder case, they must prove the defendant acted with a, quote, depraved mind, end quote, a depraved mind, which is different than premeditation. It's much harder to prove premeditation, okay? We're going to continue this on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show, 910 AM Superstation, the Future Radio, 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Join us as we travel to the mother and cradle of civilization, Egypt, known to its indigenous people as Kemet, both in January or July 2019, as we explore its ancient sites. For those who want more than a mythical depiction of an African nation, like Wakanda in the movie Black Panther, then Kemet must be visited because in its day, 
It was an actual Wakanda whose entire land was filled with technologically advanced structures. This trip is for those already aware of the historical input of Africans to Kemet. It is for those who want to know what was meant by the phrase, Know Thyself, originated by the people of ancient Kemet. Those who want to know what the mysteries were and who was allowed entry into them. Those who want to know what the purpose of life was for the people of ancient Kemet and what the actual reasons were for the temples and their construction. Join us and allow the answers to transform your mortal consciousness to spiritual consciousness as we make this pilgrimage. For more information about either of our tours, we can be reached at www.manwomanknowthyself.com That's www.manwomanknowthyself.com Blessings and peace. Yeah, hey. It don't matter your credit score, my sister, brother, we got ya. I wanna help my people out, just came to spread some knowledge. This world can be a crazy place, and I wanna see you prosper. Business credit works, get the ebook from Daryl Johnson, yeah. With good credit, it will help you levitate. For so long we've been inside a system, now it's time to break. Business credit, that is power, it does not discriminate. Even if you've been in jail, or you did not graduate, you can buy a house, put money on it. Call, invest in the company and be your own boss. This is how it works, but you need credit first. Hey, businesscreditworks.com. Make sure to check out the site and get your free ebook from Daryl Johnson. It's time to change the game, man. Get your business credit up. Let's go. Hey. Hey, what's going on? My name is Edward Williams, and I'm the founder and creator of Health by Any Me Necessary, and also the founder of the Black Self Care Academy. Our mission is to aggressively inspire and radically improve the health conditions of our community by any means necessary. And the way we're going to do that is by empowering you with online health courses as well as online health coaching to help radically improve your health as well as overall ending our dependency on a healthcare system that has shown time after time that does not have our best interests in mind. Over at the Self-Care Academy, we'll be creating courses on how to prevent and reverse preventable diseases such as high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, high cholesterol. Uh, we also have general health improvement courses uh, such as Health 101, uh, Health Defense, and we also have courses on emotional eating, uh, workout programs, nutrition, and those are just to name a few. We'll be constantly adding to our academy and anything else that will help radically improve the health issues of our community. So make sure you go check out the Black Self Care Academy. Uh, this is Edward Williams signing off. And as always, our community, our responsibility. Let's get it. Peace. Hotep, everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show. Hey, if you are a business owner and you want to reach thousands of people on a weekly basis to market your service or product or maybe your upcoming event, then you want to advertise with the African History Network. Email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com, customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com for more information. And right now, for a limited time only, we have a special promotion, buy one month, get one month free. 
Are you struggling with your finances or just need a second opinion? My name is Marticia Patterson and I am here to help. Whether you have questions about credit, retirement, taxes, investments, or meeting day-to-day -day responsibilities, you deserve access to a qualified, caring, and resourceful financial professional. As a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry, I have a passion for helping people gain confidence and become successful with money. Taking control of your finances creates options instead of obstacles confidence instead of uncertainty. Make no mistake, this is an important step for all of us. Will you allow your situation to control you or will you take control and make your money behave? My name is Marticia Patterson. Call or email me today to schedule an appointment. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, August 19th, 2018. I was at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, for the 36th annual African World Festival. There's a lot of people there. They get between 100,000 and 150,000 people who come through. Um, I did two presentations, uh, dinner with the film Black Panther, one on Saturday, uh, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., one Sunday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. as well. Pack house both days. People were blown away by the information. And we have uh, my DVD lectures dealing with uh, the film Black Panther at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? All right, so right before the break, we were dealing with the Stand Your Ground case out of Florida. Uh, and we know Marquise McLaughlin was um, was uh, shot and killed by Michael Draker last month. Okay, and Michael Draker has been indicted. He's been charged with manslaughter. Okay, so this is a good first step. But many people were asking the question: Well, why wasn't he charged with first degree murder as opposed to manslaughter? And it all comes down to what you can uh, legally prove beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, in the court of law. This is what this, this, is what this deals with. And this is what the um, uh, prosecutor said and one of the family attorneys said as well. Okay, so we're going to go back to that in just a minute. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, once again, the call-in number is area code 313-778-7600. 313 Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Eric, line one. Eric, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Hey, my this is Eric from Columbus, Georgia. Okay, from Columbus, Georgia. All right. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm all right. I appreciate you letting me get in. Man, I've been trying to talk to you. Oh, really? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead with your uh, question and uh, comment. I had two questions for you, one on the gender, the gender pay, and the other on the uh, old dude in Florida. Okay. But my first question do you know where I can locate information on the gender the gender pay gap? Only because I want to compare it with something that Thomas Sow said on a recent interview he did. Mm -hmm. um, he said that he looked into the gender pay gender pay gap, and a lot of it has to do with men working more hours than women in mm -hmm. certain industries. Um, and, but people not really talking about that. And I got to find the data that he uses too. But I just want to know if you. Do you talk about the gender pay gap between white men and white women? 
no, it's just with this. He just said women and men in general. Yeah. Cause see, there's um, a gender pay gap between white men and white women also. Mm. See, 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 a lot of people don't want to talk about that. White women make about 78 cents on every dollar that white men make. So white men are doing this to their own women. I'm familiar with Thomas Sowell. Uh, but see, <laughs> see, Thomas Sowell don't want to deal with that. All right. So. Uh, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about that uh, later in the show, but check out the article from Vox.com. Vox.com, entitled "Tuesday is Black Women's Equal Pay Day." Tuesday okay. is, is Black Women's Equal Pay Day. Here's what you should know about the gap, and in that article, they have links that give you more information about it and the disparity in the pay. But there's a disparity. See, so when you have people. When you have people who call in the radio shows and say there's equality, things like that, you don't even have equality among white women. So what do you think? What do you think exists among African American men and women? Gotcha. Yeah. See that. That's okay. see that's the issue they don't even want to address. Okay. So the whole so the whole issue of men working more than women that's really not a, that's a that's a misnomer. It's not really a big. It's not if if, big if, if men are working more than women, then I would ask the question: Why? I would ask who's allocating the hours, who's hiring them. The other thing that people have to understand is that the U.S. is fifty-one percent women. Um, That's the other thing. You. The U.S. Okay. is fifty-one percent women. Okay. Now, if you talk about if you if you talk about uh, if you talk about a living wage and fifteen dollars an hour. That helps close mm -hmm. that pay gap disparity. Okay. That, that helps to close that pay gap disparity. That's why that one policy right there is will have a bigger impact on African Americans than it will on white people. Because um, African American women make sixty three cents on average for every dollar that white men make, and African American men like seventy nine cents on every dollar. So if you talk about fifteen dollars an hour, like living wage, like minimum. That's yeah. going to, that would lift millions of African Americans out of poverty. I'm not saying they're going to be rich, but if you used to making yeah. nine and ten dollars an hour, now you go to fifteen, that will have a huge impact. Got you, got you. Okay, uh, check out the box article. Can I ask you my second question? Go ahead. It's really just your opinion, but um, the dude in Florida, would you be surprised if he didn't get found guilty? Uh, it depends upon the, it depends upon the evidence. It's a possibility, but. The uh, it depends upon the evidence and depends upon uh, if they get some fair people on the jury. Um, mm. Yeah, it, 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 but but the, the charge of manslaughter is a more uh, accurate charge. Uh, if you watch the video, Marquise McLaughlin is back in the way. Number one, number two, this guy has yeah. a history. This guy has a history of instigating uh, incidences with African Americans over parking spaces. Also, this is not his first oh, incident. This is just the first time he shot and killed somebody that we know of. Yeah, he has a history. Gotcha. He has a history of this. See, the other thing, the argument people are making is like, wait a second, um, you can't instigate the situation, then claim self-defense when you're the one that started this issue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank right. You and much. now, the difference between this and Trayvon Martin is that we have this on video. <laughs> See, Trayvon Martin wasn't on video. We got this on video. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm hoping I'm hoping some justice gets done. It's just man, I wouldn't be surprised if, if yeah. it didn't. And see, we 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 have to um we have to uh, organize people to run for the prosecutor uh, positions also because that's what they did in St. Louis County. We're going to talk about that also. Okay, people are realizing uh, different ways that we have to fight back. 
Okay, man. Okay. Thanks for calling. Keep listening. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, keep it. listening. All right, let's go to John, line two. John, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Okay, I'm calling from the east side of Detroit. All right, east side of Detroit, man. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Okay, uh, I just want to ask you a, a, a reality question about this, this, uh, this Papa John. Now he, he discovered that he was losing money. They were boycotting him. Talking about Papa John's he, Pizza? Papa John's yeah, Pizza? Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And, 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 and he jumped up now. He hired uh, the head of uh, a black woman. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to know, do, do you think they should keep on boycotting him and, and protesting against him? Okay, uh, he had, he had a black woman to do what? He had a black woman to do what? To, to, to the head of the company, something like that, they said. He, he hired some black woman to be head, head of the company. Now, I don't know what kind of head of the company that she going to do, but that's what they said now, that he hired a black woman because uh, they were hitting it hard and it's possible. Right, right, right. They were losing money, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I just wanted to get to I, 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 I need to research that some more and see, and see what's – I need to research that some more and see what's going on before I comment okay. on that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, okay. And – uh. Maybe you can explain to me, and you can someone explain, why did Augusta never get John uh, Motown? Maybe I don't know what the reason why, but... You was said why did what? Augusta did not John, John and, and Motown and Motown. So was he didn't? Uh, I don't remember. I, I have to look at that. I don't remember. I know, uh, I know all the groups, I know all the acts that came out of Detroit didn't sign with Motown. I have to look and see what the... Exact reason why I wasn't sure whether it was the deal or what, uh, oh. who approached her or what. Originally, she was on Columbia Records, yeah, and then she went to. Yeah, the that's right. That, that, that's what she was, Columbia mm-hmm. Records. That's right. Right. And 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 Philadelphia, some about Philadelphia and so forth. Uh, okay. Well, I I I, I want to thank you and uh, I keep listening. Okay, man. The information and knowledge that you you put out and so forth. All right, John. So Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, let's go back to the story here dealing with um, the Stand Your Ground case out of Florida, all right? And some people were asking, they were saying, okay, well, it's good that we have an indictment, right? But they were saying, why isn't it first-degree murder, which is premeditation, as opposed to manslaughter. What, why is it manslaughter? Why is the charge manslaughter as opposed to first-degree murder? Okay. So Anthony Rickman, who's a Tampa-based criminal defense attorney who has tried stand-your-ground cases, said uh, the state sees a manslaughter charge as a surer bet. It's easier for them to get a conviction on manslaughter based upon the burden of proof that they have to meet based upon the elements in the charge that they have to meet, based upon the evidence, based upon what they can prove beyond a reasonable doubt in the court of law. So Anthony Rickman said, quote, when the state looks at a case, they look at whether, whether they have a reasonable likelihood of successful prosecution, end quote. Now, in, in the state of Florida, a first-degree murder conviction can require that the state proves a homicide was premeditated, okay, which goes to state of mind, premeditation, while in a second-degree murder case, they must prove the defendant acted with a, quote-unquote, depraved mind. Now, attorney Anthony Rickman says second-degree murder can be classified as 
heat of passion crimes, okay, heat of passion crimes. While the people involved did not have to know one another, the prosecution must show the aggressor harbored ill will or hatred or some type of evil intent, descriptions that speak to one's state of mind, okay? That's second degree. That's easier to prove than just premeditation. So um, in a manslaughter case, prosecutors would not even have to prove Michael Draca acted out of premeditation or a depraved mind. In a manslaughter case, prosecutors would not even have to prove Michael Draca acted out of premeditation or depraved mind. So it's a lower burden of proof that they have to meet to get a conviction. So the, the fatal encounter between Marquise McLaughlin, who was 28 years old, an African-American, and Michael Draca began when Marquise McLaughlin, his girlfriend, and their children pulled into a handicapped uh, accessible space at a convenience store in Clearwater, Florida. While Marquise McLaughlin and his five-year-old son went inside the uh, store, Michael Draca, unprompted, unprovoked, began examining the car that Marquise McLaughlin was driving, his girlfriend was in, and the children, to determine whether it had the correct decal, according to police, meaning a handicap uh, sticker or a handicap sign. He then got into an argument with Marquise McLaughlin's girlfriend. So he took it upon himself to be law enforcement, to be the enforcer of handicapped parking spaces. So when Marquise McLaughlin exited the store, surveillance footage showed him shove uh, Michael Draker to the ground. And Michael Draker pulled out his gun while still down and paused, paused before shooting Marquise McLaughlin. If you watch the video, you can see it. He paused before shooting him, and, Mike, and, and Marquise McLaughlin is backing away from uh, Michael Draker. So where is the imminent threat of bodily harm or death? Where is it? So Michael Draker pulled out his gun while still down and paused before shooting Marquise McLaughlin, although it looked as if Marquise McLaughlin was backing away. And you watch the video, that's what appears. And also you see another, you see um, a patron of the store, or somebody passing by, when Draco pulls out the gun, this guy goes in the opposite direction also. Now, P Pinellas County Sheriff Bob uh, Gualtieri later announced Michael Draco was not arrested because it appeared he was defending himself when he killed Marquise McLaughlin. He instead passed the case on to state prosecutors to review. So the argument that Attorney Benjamin Crump, Reverend Al Shopton, and others were making is, well, wait a second. You're saying that Michael Draker had the, the right to stand his ground and defend himself. Well, Marquise McLaughlin had the right to defend himself and defend his family against this idiot who was yelling and cursing at his girlfriend because this guy posed a threat also. So you're saying that, Michael Draker had the right to defend himself, but Marquise McLaughlin didn't have the right to defend himself. So Floridians also, uh, so uh, so the, so the, the uh, Pinellas County Sheriff later announced Michael Draker was not arrested because it appeared he was defending himself when he killed Marquise McLaughlin. He instead passed the case on to state prosecutors to review it. And this 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 sheriff actually said. 
And this is at a press conference. He said you shouldn't go around shoving people. Well, maybe you shouldn't go around getting into arguments with people over handicapped parking spaces, and you have no authority to enforce handicapped parking spaces. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Now, Floridians are allowed under the Stand Your Ground law, which was first enacted in 2005 under Governor Jeb Bush, who ran for uh, president, low-energy Jeb, and uh, backed by gun lobbyists to defend themselves with deadly force if they believe they are in imminent danger or death. And Florida, because that was the first state to have an actual stand-your-ground law, it has the most ambiguous stand-your-ground law, which gives the most leeway. Other states, some other states have them, but it's not as ambiguous. It's more well-defined. Um, so check out this article from uh, NBCNews.com, okay? The person being threatened is not required to try and flee the scene. Now, attorneys for Marquise McLaughlin said he was only trying to defend his family from Michael Draker and that while McLaughlin may have used force in pushing Draker, that didn't need to escalate with a firearm. How does shoving somebody who gets into an argument with your girlfriend escalate to the person pulling the gun and shooting and killing somebody? How does that, how does that escalate to that? Okay, so check out the uh, rest of this article here uh, from NBCNews.com. Michael Draker charged in Florida stand your ground killing, but why wasn't it murder? But why wasn't it murder? This is from August uh, 14, 2018. Really good article from uh, uh, NBC News. Okay, so August 7th, a couple weeks ago, August 7th was... Um, black Women's Equal Pay Day, Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And a lot of African-American women don't even know that this exists, okay? In San Diego, when I did my presentation, I asked about it. Most people never heard of it. Uh, and at the Charles H. Wright Museum, when I did my presentation tonight, most people had not heard about it. So it was good that they showed up. Okay, so on average, it takes, Af it takes the average African-American woman 20 months to make the same amount of money that it takes the average white man to make in 12 months. Um, so this year, uh, Black Women's Equal Pay Day fell on Tuesday, August 7th. And it marks how long it takes um, the average African-American woman to make the same amount of money that the average white male makes the previous year. Now, um, the, the day is months later than National Equal Pay Day, National Equal Pay Day, which marks the same thing for women in general, okay? So this year, National Equal Pay Day fell on April 10th, and that's how long it takes the average woman to work to make the same amount of money that it took the, um, uh, the average white man to make the previous 12 months. But African-American women have to work months in addition to that, okay? It takes the average woman 16 months to make the same amount of money the average white man makes in 12 months, but it takes the average African-American woman 20 months to make the same amount that the average white male makes in 12 months. Now, these numbers change considerably for women of color, okay? African-American women for, so we talked about African-American women. Native American women will hit equal pay day on September 27th, while Hispanic women will hit equal pay day on November 1st. Because Hispanic women make on average about 54 cents uh, for every dollar that the average white male makes. And while Asian American women technic technically 
hit the equal pay mark on February 22nd, suggesting that this group faces the smallest gender pay gap of all women, the date overlooks significant disparities in pay among different groups of Asian women. Now, attention to pay disparities has highlighted how African-American and Hispanic men make less than their white counterparts and how women overall make less than men. Keep in mind that the U.S. is 51% women. But there has been a failure to fully grapple with what the pay gap looks like when both race and gender are taken into account. There has been a failure to fully grapple with what the pay gap looks like when both race and gender are taken into account. For example, even as white women lag behind white men in wages, they often do better than black or Hispanic men, okay? And these uh, numbers have particularly overlooked women of color who face both racial and gender discrimination. It suggests that if conversations and policy addressing pay disparities are going to truly benefit all women, a more intersectional and nuanced understanding of the gender pay gap is needed. Okay, so um, so African-American women on average make 63 cents on every uh, for every dollar the average white male may, makes. Now, two years ago, it was about two years ago, it was right around 67 cents on the dollar. I remember AtlantaBlackStar.com had articles from two years ago about this. I think it was two years ago when I first found out about uh, Black Women's Equal Pay Day. I saw a number of articles um, dealing with it. I know this um, uh, on August 7th on Sister Circle Live on TV One, I know they talked about it there as well. Now, this pay gap is much wider than the 79 cents white women earn for every dollar made by uh, a man and the 87 cents earned by Asian women. But again, there is significant variation among different nationalities of Asian women with some earning far less than the average. Okay. So um, check this out. They have a number of links here in the article. Now what's important to understand is that for the average African-American woman over her working lifetime, she loses on average $870,000 in lost earnings because of this pay gap. The average African-American woman over her working lifetime loses about $870,000 in lost earnings, okay? So, I mean, if we correct something like this, right, this will lift millions of African-Americans out of poverty. And then in uh, two years ago, AtlantaBlackStar.com had an article dealing with um, Black Women's Equal Pay Day, and they cited five states in, the, in one of the studies that was done. They cited um, at the time, a couple of years ago, there were five states where the lifetime lost wages for African-American women were uh, totaled about $1 million in lost wages because of this pay, this, because of this pay gender race gap. All right. Now, the gap in African-Americans women pay is due to several factors. A 2014 report from the National Women's Law Center notes that women comprise some two-thirds of workers making $10.10 an hour or less. Women, women in general, not just African-American women, 
but women in general comprise uh, about two-thirds of U.S. workers making $10.10 an hour or less. And of that group, nearly half of those women are women of color. African-American women were overrepresented in the low-wage workforce, according to the National Women's Law Center, making up 10%, making up 10% of low-wage workers, but only 6% of the overall workforce, okay? So check out the rest of this article here. They have a lot of links to click on to get more information, get deeper into how to fight against this. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why um, more African-Americans and African-American women are turning towards entrepreneurship as well. Once again, check out this article from Vox.com, V-O-X, Vox.com. Tuesday is Black Women's Equal Pay Day. Here's what you should know about that. This came out August 7th, 2018, okay? All right. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of our people don't know about that, Black Women's Equal Pay Day. You know, um, this past week, it was a crazy, crazy week. Uh, Benedict Donald, Benedict Donald um, took away the security clearance of former CIA Director John Brennan. Omarosa dropped some mixtapes. He's trying to get invited back to the uh, cookout. Um, but uh, early in the week, um, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, told a huge lie. Now, she lies every uh, every day she has the White House Press Secretary Conference, basically. But she told a huge, huge lie, which dealt with um, job creation among African Americans between Donald Trump and um, President Barack Obama. She told a huge lie as if we don't know how to use Google and it, as if we don't know how to fact check. Now, on MSNBC, on Velshi and Rule, they did a segment fact-checking her and just showing how wrong. Now, she, now, to her credit, she did tweet later that day that she made a mistake. Now, I don't know how you can make a mistake like this, right? Let's go to this clip here. All right, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders defended President Trump against claims that he uses the N-word. How? by highlighting the low unemployment rate for African-Americans with Trump at the helm. He took office in the year and a half that he's been here, has created 700,000 new jobs for African-Americans. That's 700,000 African-Americans that are working now that weren't working when this president took place. When President Obama left after eight years in office, eight years in office, he had only created 800 or 195,000 jobs for African-Americans. President Trump in his first year and a half has already tripled what President Obama did in eight years. No, 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 no. That is a lie. Oh, my God. All right. She went to the podium with a script and lied. She read it. It's unbelievable. All right. Let's just clear this up. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, that's where we measure our statistics, 708,000 more black Americans did have jobs in July of 2018 than when Donald Trump took office. Okay? That part she didn't lie about. But for fact's sake that claim that only 195,000 jobs were created for African-Americans over Obama's eight years 
is wrong, Stephanie, on so many levels, I don't really know where to start. But I'm going to do my shot. best. Be patient with me. Shot. There are a couple numbers here, all right? The Bureau of Labor Statistics data shows that almost 3 million more black Americans had jobs by the end of President Obama's term. Okay, this is the real number. I don't know what Sarah Huckabee Sanders was talking about. This is the real number. Sanders did apologize last night on Twitter, saying she had misstated the time frame for President Obama. She talked about the entire eight years of the Obama presidency. But apparently she misstated the time frame, but she still stands by her numbers. Okay, let me just explain this to you. She got her talking points from the Council of Economic Advisors, who also tweeted, by the way, down here that they uh, miscommunicated with the press secretary. But let me give you some context. For starters, they measured Obama's job numbers from November of 2000, uh, from, well, from November of his first term. The president doesn't take office until January. So they took all the losses from the financial crisis after Obama was elected, but not sworn in until uh, all the way to 2017. Obama, you will remember, inherited a massive unemployment rate, record economic recession, uh, lots of jobs being lost, uh, including in the month that he took offices. Donald Trump inherited the lowest unemployment rate in over 10 years and a booming economy. Keep in mind, the Bureau of Labor Statistics only began measuring employment by race in the 1970s. So let's take a look at the spikes during uh, recessions. But starting here in 2011, so 2008, 2009, was the recession, right? So you saw a spike in unemployment for African Americans that started to go down in 2011, right? This is 2011. Take a look at this. Going down, 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 well into President Obama's second term, a clear downward trend continues until today. Where's the Trump bump on African American unemployment? It's hard to see how President Trump's policies would impact black unemployment. But yes, Ms. Sanders, it is good news that 700,000 more African Americans have jobs since January of 2017. Here's what I can't Try get over, work for it a Here's bit. what I can't get over. Sarah Sanders gets on that podium and lies every day. Yesterday she got on the podium and wasn't going to lie about the president in a possible tape with him using the n-word she said i don't know i can't guarantee that even though just as a side note you can guarantee things for example i can guarantee there's no tape out there with me saying the n-word i can't guarantee there's not one of me dancing like a fool somewhere over the last twenty years she chose to lie about african americans and the economy but wasn't going to lie about the president possibly using the n-word right, let's bring in tolo Olaripa, who is a bloomberg uh, news white house reporter <laughs> So she got caught red-handed. She got caught. She just she stood there and told a blatant lie. I watched the White House press secretary conference live. And I'm like, wait a second. She is just telling a bold-faced lie. That's what she did. Okay? And then she got caught, and then she had to come out and admit it was wrong. But she was reading from a script. So who put together the script that she was reading from? That's the question. Now, for those who are not familiar with, the, with BLS, that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Go to bls.gov. That's the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's a department that keeps track of the unemployment rate and job creation, all of that stuff. That's a government entity. It's not InfoWars. Okay? That's the Bureau of Labor Statistics. All right. We're coming up here on the break. Um, when we come back, we're, we're going to talk about uh, Aretha Franklin and her commitment to civil rights and equality and how that changed hearts and minds. Uh, we know that uh, Aretha Franklin uh, passed away this past Thursday at a, um, age uh, 76. Uh, she had an advanced, um, 
she had a, uh, she suffered from pancreatic cancer, um, and this was revealed by her publicist Gwendolyn Quinn. Now, in her indelible uh, late nineteen sixties hits, uh, Aretha Franklin brought the righteous fervor of gospel music to secular songs that were about much more than romance. Hits like "Do Right Woman," "Do Right Man," "Think," uh, "You Make Me Feel Like uh, a Natural Woman." And Chain of Fools defined a modern female archetype, uh, sensual and strong, long-suffering, but ultimately indomitable, uh, loving, but not to be taken for granted. Now, when Aretha Franklin sang Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, the Otis Redding song that became her signature song, it was, that was 1967, it was never just about how a woman wanted to be greeted by a spouse coming home from work. It was a demand for equality and freedom and a uh, harbing, uh, harbinger of feminism carried by a voice that would accept nothing less. Now, Aretha Franklin had a um, grandly celebrated career. She placed more than 100 singles in the Billboard charts, including 17 top 10 pop singles and 20 number one R&B hits. She also had 18 Grammy Awards, okay? So a lot of these artists, you know, out for a year, two years, you know, and they big, they're on all the covers and magazines and things like that. I'm like, okay, let's see where you're going to be 10, 20 years from now, you know, because a, a, a lot of these artists, you know, who may be at the top of Billboard, maybe they want a reality TV show, and then they get a big CD, or you know, get a big album, something like this, right? Two or three years from now, you, you won't even... When they're gone, you won't even miss them. I'm serious. Two or three years from now, when they're gone, you won't even miss them. They may have a they may have a two year run, sometimes three, but they don't have longevity. I mean, when when you have songs on cassette tape, thirty three and a third, seventy eight, eight tracks, CDs, MP3s, stuff like that, that's longevity. We we'll listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Are you looking to regain your health and vitality? Then visit naturallifeenergy.com. That's naturallifeenergy.com. It is an alkaline, plant-based diet website based on Dr. Sebi's methodology and nutritional guide which supports the healthy expression of the African black gene, but it benefits everyone. Combat the ill effects of white supremacy that has brainwashed black people into eating foods that support the development of diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. Gain a better understanding of how to use a plant-based diet based on Dr. Sebi's nutritional guide to help heal your body and mind by reading a Killinese book, alkaline plant-based diet. Learn how to use herbs used in Dr. Sebi's methodology to help address complex diseases like lupus and IBS in his herbal book, Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Purchase Achillanese books from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other book retailers. Get your copies today. I know you all watched the movie Black Panther and saw Wakanda and wanted to buy a one-way ticket straight to that magical place. Well, why not? The International Black Book is a cyber Wakanda, a black wonderland. 
it is well overdue for the black diaspora to come together and build a global community where we can choose to buy black, travel black, and eat black. Place your complimentary listing of your business or agency. You are welcome at internationalblackbook.com, internationalblackbook.com. Sign up today. Zetegrity is a black-owned company and has managed to combine five of your most major cards into one. You have a charge card with unlimited purchase power, plus you can earn elite class rewards. You have a credit card which helps you build credit. You have a secured card where you can secure up to $15,000 on a MasterCard or a Visa with an unlimited amount. You have a debit card where you can withdraw money from any bank with no fees. And you have a prepaid card which makes it easy to get but without fees. There's no credit check. Everyone is approved. No direct deposit fees, no late fees, no transfer fees. You can start building your children's credit. It comes with a routing number and an account number for a direct deposit. Use promo code E3UT, E3UT, and go to ZBlackCard.com. That's the letter Z, ZBlackCard.com forward slash E3UT and get your card today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, August 19th, 2018. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, I was in San Diego last weekend. So coming up shortly, I'm going to share with you... Um, the, one of the uh, presentations I did in San Diego at Return of the Gods, the Real Family Reunion. And that uh, presentation blew people away. Uh, and that's not me saying it. That's what they told me. Okay? I'm just saying. All right. So right before the break, we were talking about the passing of Aretha Franklin. And we heard she was in failing health. We heard that she uh, was in hospice care. So we knew that she was going to make her transition. But it was still a shock, and it was, still, it was still sad when she did, even though she's not in pain anymore, right, and she's in a better place. So there have been a lot of articles written about Aretha Franklin. There's been a lot of coverage on TV. I know Fox News posted a picture of Patti LaBelle <laughs> instead of Aretha Franklin. They ain't know the difference between Patti LaBelle and Aretha Franklin. Okay. All right. Um. But um, but there was um, a couple of good articles dealing with Aretha Franklin and her commitment to civil rights, okay? One was from um, NBCNews.com. I know AtlantaBlackStar.com had a good article uh, dealing with this also. Uh, but uh, Aretha Franklin um, was not just a uh, artist whose life and music was intertwined with with civil rights and the struggle for African American equality. Okay, uh, now as a gospel, so we know she started as a gospel singer in church. As a gospel singer, she was raised in the church. She was the daughter of C. L. Franklin, so for the, um, he was a, a well known pastor uh, throughout the country. So, so some people today may not know of C. L. Pastor C. L. Franklin here in Detroit. We know about. But he was a well-known pastor in the 60s and 70s, things like this. 
um, as well. He was an ally of Dr. King. Okay. So he was the pastor of New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit and a minister who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, uh, pastor C.L. Franklin had organized the June 1963 Walk to Freedom, Walk to Freedom, which was the largest civil rights demonstration in the nation's history until the March on Washington, August 28, 1963. And they had about 250,000 people there at the, uh, at the March on Washington, all right? Now, um, Aretha Franklin's mentor was Mahalia Jackson, the uh, uh, gospel singer whose voice was known as the soundtrack of the civil rights movement, the soundtrack of the civil rights movement. And um, Aretha Franklin sang a song at Dr. King's funeral in 1968, Take My Hand, uh, Precious Lord, okay? Now, uh, Mahalia Jackson was a good friend of Dr. King's and inspired his uh, um, I Have a Dream speech. They must be talking about the one 1963, okay, Cause this, because the speech, August 28th, they, they must be talking about the one in Detroit, 1963, two, two months before the one he delivered, August 28th, 1963, in uh, Washington, D.C., because the one... August 28, 1963, that was originally called a canceled check. It's been renamed. Uh, it's been renamed I Have a Dream. That's not the original name of the speech he delivered August 28, 1963. Okay, so um, all right, now that same year, 1968, Aretha Franklin also sang the national anthem at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Democratic National Convention uh, in Chicago. And during a tumultuous uh, political campaign and a year marked by civil unrest, protests, uh, police violence, and assassination. Now, much like her mentor, Mahalia Jackson, Aretha Franklin provided the soundtrack uh, of an era. Now, there's no way to overstate what Aretha Franklin meant to the generation that's, that came of age during uh, the Civil Rights Movement, all right? And this was according to Craig uh, Warner, professor of Afro-American Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, he was interviewed by uh, NBC News, okay, NBCnews.com. Now, uh, he said, uh, quote, she helped us make sense of experiences insisting with enormous grace and fire that women's voices had to be a part of every conversation. She holds a special place in the hearts of Vietnam veterans who knew she sung, uh, who, who knew she sung, I say a little prayer to help them survive and heal. Now, African-American artists, uh, quote unquote, okay. Now, African-American artists have traditionally been agents of change through their music, reflecting and shaping the issues of their time. Examples include the voice of suffering in Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit, the audacious rage of Nina Simone's uh, song about Mississippi, dealing with the civil rights movement and the assassination of Megar Evers, and uh, Soul Brother Number One, the Godfather of soul, soul, James Brown, would say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And then similarly, uh, Aretha Franklin was a voice of pride, hope, and freedom 
her rendition of the Otis Redding song, Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, became an undeniable anthem of empowerment for African Americans and for women. Okay, and that was a huge song. That came out in 1967. That was a huge song. I mean, and then, I mean, anytime you hear the song today, right, you know, it um, has an impact on you. It helps lift your spirits. It's a, um, it's a powerful song. All right, let's continue here. So this week, so we know that Jay-Z and Beyonce were performing in Detroit, and they gave a... Um, short tribute to Aretha Franklin when they were here as well. They dedicated their uh, Detroit concert at Ford Field to Aretha Franklin. We know DJ Khaled, uh, some, some say Khaled, some say Khalid. DJ Khaled uh, opened the show by playing Respect, prompting the tens of thousands in attendance to sing along. Now, experts who have chronicled Aretha Franklin's life and legacy say this chart-topping hit was just the beginning of her impact. Now, um, as the civil rights movement led to the black power era, okay, of the 60s, mid 1960s, 65, 66, moving into the black power era, um, as the civil rights movement led to the black power era of the 1960s and 70s, a black pride emerged as a response to racism and a white dominated society and an affirmation of African heritage and culture. And Aretha Franklin was there, uh, according to Daphne Brooks, who was a professor of African-American studies and theater studies at Yale University, who has written extensively about how singers like Aretha Franklin can transcend oppression through their music. And they are able to transcend race. They're, they're going to have... Um, fans of all different ethnicities and races that listen to their music. And, when and you know, the past few days they've been showing different pictures of Aretha Franklin from different periods in her career. And when, when I see these pictures of Aretha Franklin wearing an afro, right, that's something, like, really, really powerful. Okay? All right, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600. 7,600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right, now, uh, Professor Daphne Brooks goes on to say, it is, of course, uh, known that she, that she sang at Dr. King's funeral. What's less known is the fact that she put up bail money for Angela Davis, political prisoner and black power feminist icon. She covered Nina Simone's beloved anthem, To Be Young, Gifted, and Black, and uh, her early 1970s uh, sartorial uh, symbolism evoked black diasporic elegant and grandeur. In terms of her, uh, in, in terms of her uh, musical genius, her vocality sounded out rich emotional nuance, intelligence, and depth. It conveyed the complexities of black women's inner life uh, inner life worlds in ways unheard of before on the pop chart. All right. And, you know, she made the transition from gospel music to uh, R&B or secular music at a time when it was frowned upon. And she said if Sam Cooke could do it, because we know Sam Cooke was with the Soul Stirrers, and she said if Sam Cooke could, could do it, then I could do it as well. Okay. 
But this was something frowned upon by the church, even though a lot of church people were listening to secular music. And um, they dealt with this some in the movie Get On Up about James Brown as well, okay? And w one of the things that uh, it was either, in, I think it was in that movie or some other, let me see. Well, no, it was, I think it was in a doc. It was a, a documentary I saw on YouTube about Sam Cooke. And they were talking about Sam Cooke being with the soul stirrers and then moving into R and B. And the documentary dealt with how the girls would go crazy over the male gospel singers, just like they went crazy over the male R and B singers. Right. And this is, this is a whole segment that they dealt with, how the women would come after them, things like this. Right. You know, it's supposed to be good Christians, what have you. you know, they were, and then if you if you watch uh, Get On Up uh, about James Brown, when James Brown is staying at Bobby's home because James Brown goes to reform school, he's staying at Bobby's home. Right. James Brown has sex with Bobby's sister in the movie. Now, I don't know if that happened in real life, but we know it happened in the movie. OK. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby was with the um you know a gospel singing group I think at the time. All right, so they so they they talked about this. Uh I got have to see if I could find the um name of the documentary. It was on YouTube about Sam Cooke, okay? All right, so uh let's continue here. Now, 5 decades after the civil rights struggles, Aretha Franklin's music and message resonate today among a new generation of fans and activists. As, as the many heartfelt tributes to the Queen of Soul demonstrate, okay? And one of the articles I saw called her the undisputed Queen of Soul, and I haven't heard anybody want to challenge that. She, she was, I mean, she was the Queen of Soul. And she had hits that, that were in different decades. So I remember when Freeway of Love came out. I was in high school. I, I bought the album, Freeway of Love, okay? Riding down the Freeway of Love in the pink Cadillac. Then she came out. With the duet, she had duets with Annie Lennox of the Eurythmics. Sisters are doing it for themselves. She had a huge hit with George Michael. And this is back when George Michael was, like, really big. Back before, you know, he came out of the closet. And, like, George Michael was, like, really big. Okay? Um, she had that song. Then later she's going to have the song with, um, so George Michael's I Knew You Were Waiting. That was a huge hit. I mean, I remember watching that. I remember watching those videos on Friday night videos on NBC. Friday night used to come on 11.30 p.m. to 1 a.m. the next morning. And this is like when NBC was like really big. They had the Cosby show on, things like this. And um, um, each week they would have a different host from one of the big NBC TV shows, right? And it was Friday night videos. One week they had Alf hosting. Remember Alf? The, the, you remember the TV show Alf? One week, Alf hosted. Another week, uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner and Tempest Bledsoe from the Cosby Show hosted, right? Uh, and I remember watching Aretha Franklin videos, you know. I knew you were waiting with uh, George Michael and a song with Annie Lennox right on Friday Night Videos. And then later, she's going to come out with A Rose Is Still a Rose with uh, Lauren Hill. She's going to come out with Let Me Put You Up on Game with Fantasia. So she has hits that transcend transcend different eras, okay? I mean, she had a 50-plus-year 50, 50 career. All right, so five decades after the civil rights uh, struggles, 
Aretha Franklin's music and message resonate today among a new generation of fans and activists as the many heartfelt tributes to the Queen of Soul demonstrate. Now, John Sims is a Detroit native and multimedia artist and producer. And he said her force was both cultural and political. Her force was, was both cultural and political. Her love and advocacy for black people was undeniable and her feminism unshakable. Did she ever call a, 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 another black woman the B word in one of her songs? I'm just curious. We need to we need to do we need to check that out. I'm saying because she had hits and didn't have to call other sisters the B word. I'm just did she ever use the N word in her songs? I'm just I'm just curious. We need to check on that. Before 18 Grammys, I can't remember one song where she called a sister the B word. I don't even remember a song where she called herself the B word. 18 Grammys. Interesting. Now, before there were uh, organizations like Black Lives Matter and the hashtag Me Too movement, Aretha Franklin was challenging us to think and respect ourselves and to, be, and, and to become better partners, better citizens, and better humans. Now, following the release of her Young, Gifted, and Black album, Aretha Franklin reflected on the Black Power movement and what was taking place in the African-American community and the impact of the times on her own thinking. She said, uh, quote, I believe that the black revolution certainly forced me and the majority of black people to begin taking a second look at ourselves. It wasn't that we were all that ashamed of ourselves. We merely started appreciating our natural selves. She said it wasn't that we were all we were all that ashamed of ourselves. We merely started appreciating our natural selves, sort of, you know, falling in love with ourselves just as we are. We found that we had far more to be proud of. So I suppose the revolution influenced me a great deal, but I must say that mine was a very personal evolution, an evolution of the me in myself, end quote. Okay. Now, some of us were just ashamed of ourselves also, but there were others. It wasn't so much that we were ashamed of ourselves, but we discovered ourselves, fell in love with ourselves, started studying African history and culture, things like this. So meanwhile, the soul of the Queen of Soul never abandoned her community, John Sims said as well. He said, quote, she became, she became extremely blessed and successful, but she never forgot her roots, her people, her family, and her hometown of Detroit, Michigan. A ways, uh, staying, uh, a ways staying close to home when others left speaks to her loyalty, faith, and commitment to a culture that cradled and nurtured her divine genius in a uh, country that did not deserve it. He said, quote, we owe Miss Aretha Franklin our highest respect for being the voice of our most meaningful form of human intelligence, love. To honor her is to follow her many messages and examples of love, grace, and community. Okay? And once again, she had um, uh, 44 Grammy Award nominations. She won 18 Grammys. And uh, in, the in the 1960s, she released 19 albums. Um, and... I, I don't remember a single song where she called a sister the B word. I just 
don't remember that. Okay. If you if you remember the song, let me know because I could pull up the lyrics right here. I don't remember a single song where she at least none of the songs she won a Grammy for anything like that. Any of the hits, I don't remember a single song where she called somebody the N word. She had she placed more than one hundred singles in in the Billboard charts, including seventeen top uh, seventeen top ten pop singles and twenty number one R and B hits. Okay, uh, and, oh, also, she was the first woman uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not the first black woman, but the first woman, period, in 1987, inducted into the Rock and Roll, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We remember her singing at the inauguration of President Barack Obama, um, as well in 2009. And uh, she sang at pre-inauguration concerts for President Jimmy Carter in 1997 and Bill Clinton in 1993 as well, okay? Uh, also check out the article from um, New York Times, Aretha Franklin, Indomitable, Indomitable Queen of Soul Dies at 76 by John Pirellis, I guess it is, P-A-R-E-L-E-S, August 16, 2018. A really, really good, extensive uh, article. I printed it out. It's uh, 18 pages. Get ready. Uh, good, extensive article on the Queen of Soul uh, Aretha Franklin, who I still don't remember a song where she called her sister the B-word. Interesting. Okay. All right. You listen to the African History Network show, 910 AM Superstation, the future radio Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Join us as we travel to the mother and cradle of civilization, Egypt, known to its indigenous people as Kemet, both in January or July 2019, as we explore its ancient sites. For those who want more than a mythical depiction of an African nation like Wakanda in the movie Black Panther, then Kemet must be visited because, in its day, it was an actual Wakanda whose entire land was filled with technologically advanced structures. This trip is for those already aware of the historical input of Africans to Kemet. It is for those who want to know what was meant by the phrase, Know Thyself originated by the people of ancient Kemet. Those who want to know what the mysteries were and who was allowed entry into them. Those who want to know what the purpose of life was for the people of ancient Kemet and what the actual reasons were for the temples and their construction. Join us and allow the answers to transform your mortal consciousness to spiritual consciousness as we make this pilgrimage. For more information about either of our tours, we can be reached at www.manwomanknowthyself.com. That's www.manwomanknowthyself.com. Blessings and peace. Yeah, hey. It don't matter your credit score, my sister, brother, we gotcha. I wanna help my people out, just came to spread some knowledge. This world can be a crazy place, and I wanna see you prosper. Business credit works, get the ebook from Deborah Johnson, yeah. With good credit, it will help you levitate. For so long, we've been inside a system, now it's time to break. Business credit, that is power, it does not discriminate. Even if you've been in jail, or you did not graduate, you can buy a house, put money on it. Car, invest in the company and be your own boss. This is how it works, but you need credit first. Hey, businesscreditworks.com. Make sure to check out the site and get your free ebook from Daryl Johnson. It's time to change the game, man. Get your business credit up. Let's go. 
Hey, what's going on? My name is Edward Williams, and I'm the founder and creator of Health Fighting Me Necessary, and also the founder of the Black Self Care Academy. Our mission is to aggressively inspire and radically improve the health conditions of our community by any means necessary. And the way we're going to do that is by empowering you with online health courses as well as online health coaching to help radically improve your health as well as overall ending our dependency on a healthcare system that has shown time after time that does not have our best interests in mind. Over at the Self Care Academy, we'll be creating courses on how to prevent and reverse preventable diseases such as high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, high cholesterol. Uh, we also have general health improvement courses uh, such as Health 101, uh, Health Defense, and we also have courses on emotional eating, uh, workout programs, nutrition, and those are just to name a few. We will be constantly adding to our academy and anything else that will help radically improve the health issues of our community. So make sure you go check out the Black Self Care Academy. Uh, this is Edward Williams signing off. And as always, our community, our responsibility. Let's get it. Peace. Hotep, everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show. Hey, if you are a business owner and you want to reach thousands of people on a weekly basis to market your service or product or maybe your upcoming event, then you want to advertise with the African History Network. Email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com, customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com for more information. And right now, for a limited time only, we have a special promotion, buy one month, get one month free. Are you struggling with your finances or just need a second opinion? My name is Martisha Patterson and I am here to help. Whether you have questions about credit, retirement, taxes, investments, or meeting day-to-day -day responsibilities, you deserve access to a qualified, caring, and resourceful financial professional. As a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry, I have a passion for helping people gain confidence and become successful with money. Taking control of your finances creates options instead of obstacles confidence instead of uncertainty. Make no mistake, this is an important step for all of us. Will you allow your situation to control you or will you take control and make your money behave? My name is Martisha Patterson. Call or email me today to schedule an appointment. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio AI. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. Uh, calling numbers 313-778-7600. We were talking about uh, Aretha Franklin and her commitment to civil rights, okay, and uh, equality and how that changed hearts and minds in America. Uh, now, independent.co.uk, uh, independent.co.uk has a good article. Aretha Franklin, how the Queen of Soul offered to post bail for Angela Davis, saying, quote, black people will be free, end quote. Black people will be free. Okay. Uh, this is from a few days ago. And um, they talk about um, uh, bef uh, before she passed away, um, her friend Reverend Jesse Jackson recently revealed to uh, Franklin's hometown newspaper that the performer had quietly helped fund the movement for many years. And, th and this is something they talked about uh, as well recently this week. Um, Dr. King said, quote, when Dr. I mean, sorry, Reverend Jesse Jackson said, quote, when Dr. King was alive, several times Aretha Franklin 
helped us make payroll. And he told this to the Detroit Free Press. He said, quote, on one occasion, we took an 11-city tour with her uh, as Aretha Franklin and Harry Belafonte. And they put gas in the vans. They paid for gas to go into the vans. She did 11 concerts for free and hosted us at her home and did a fundraiser for my campaign. Okay, sounds like he's referring to his presidential campaign. Aretha has always been a very socially conscious artist, an inspiration, not just an entertainer. Okay, Um, and we know her father, Reverend C.L. Franklin, was uh, a Baptist minister and close associate of Dr. King, as I talked about as well. Um, He helped organize in 1963 Detroit Walk to Freedom, a civil rights demonstration that drew some 125,000 people. This is two months before the March on Washington, August 28th, uh, 1963, okay? And um, Aretha Franklin reportedly had it written into her contract during the 1960s that she would not perform to segregated audiences. And Aretha Franklin's activism could also be as assertive as the lyrics to uh, her most famous hit. Now, in 1970, Aretha Franklin offered to post bail for Angela Davis, who at the time was a philosophy teacher, college uh, college teacher, college professor. Uh, she, was, she was a communist and social activist accused of supplying guns used in a botched bloody courtroom escape in California. Okay, that was the uh, George Jackson, Jackson Brothers uh, case. Now, Angela Davis went on, uh, went on the run, but was eventually arrested in New York City following an FBI manhunt. Uh, then President Richard Nixon, and we know August 8th was the anniversary, the 44th anniversary of Richard Nixon announcing he was resigning from office. And history is repeating itself, as we talked about here on the show, and if you saw the extensive video I did that's on YouTube dealing with uh, uh, Nixon's resignation and how history is repeating itself. And that's not me saying history is repeating itself. That's former assistant Watergate prosecutor uh, Nick Ackerman saying that. And he was there at Watergate. He was involved. He knows Watergate better than most people. And he said history is repeating itself with Donald, uh, Donald Trump, who I call Benedict Donald. So at the time of the FBI manhunt, Richard Nixon was president, and he called uh, Angela Davis uh, a dangerous terrorist. But she was acquitted in 1972 and went on to continue her her academic career in activism. Now, Aretha Franklin was quoted in a Jet Magazine article saying that she was ready to post the cost of Angela Davis' bail and Aretha Franklin said, quote, whether it's $100,000 or $250,000, end quote, amid a widespread campaign for uh, pushing for the release of Angela Davis. Aretha Franklin said, quote, black people will be free. I've been locked up, okay, uh, for disturbing the peace in Detroit. And I know you got to disturb the peace when you can't get no peace, end quote. Sounds like no justice, no peace. She went on to say, quote, jail is hell to be in. I'm going to I'm going to see her free if there is any justice in our courts, not because I believe in communism, but because she's a black woman 
and she wants freedom for black people. Okay, now this is Aretha Franklin. All right, she went on to say, quote, I have the money. I got it from black people. They've made me financially able to have it. And I want to use it in ways that will help our people, end quote. In the, uh, uh, so in the, in the event, however, Angela Davis Bell was paid by a cooperative farm director called uh, uh, Roger McAfee, according to a contemporary report in the New York Times. But here is uh, Aretha Franklin offering to put up the money to bail out Angela Davis and explain the why. So there was an article back from 1970 from Jet Magazine, and I saw somebody posted a cutout of the article on Facebook. But check out this article from independent.co.uk, independent.co.uk, that lays out this history. Aretha Franklin, how the Queen of Soul offered to post bail for Angela Davis saying, quote, black people will be free, end quote. All right. I, I wonder how much I wonder how much money we could raise if the hip hop artists pawned all that gold and platinum. And gold and platinum grills and all this. I, I, I wonder how much money we could raise. I wonder, I wonder how much property we could buy to stop gentrification in cities if they did this. Just a thought. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Glenn, line one. Uh, Glenn, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Well, thank you very much. I'm from the Metro Fox Detroit area. Metro Detroit area? Okay. Um, Thanks for holding. Go ahead with your question and comment. Well, I answered the uh, Detroit. The, uh, the Detroit. <clears throat> Anyways, Detroit metropolitan area. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. I just wondered if you, if you would go beyond or before the time of uh mrs mrs franklin mm -hmm. when she was the the daughter of c l franklin right could you talk about mr franklin um and his relationship in the uh in the detroit area uh from the black bottom and the paradise valley and the change of the linwood Linwood Avenue to the C.L. Franklin Boulevard and the Elijah Muhammad Boulevard and the the uh, uh, the uh, Shrine of the Black Madonna and Albert Clegg. Could you talk about the Black Nationalism movement? Well, well, Detroit has a, a strong history of Black Nationalism movement. We know that. Uh, could, you basic... that? could you talk about that? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. Um, we know that the Nation of Islam was uh, founded here. We know you had the Republic of New Africa here as well. Uh, we know that the Universal Negro, Negro Improvement Association, UNIA, which was founded in 1914 in Jamaica, we know that had uh, a show that actually still exists here in Detroit. We know they had a, a strong base here in Detroit as well. Um, we know that uh, also... Um, when you have the rebellion takes place in 1967, July 23rd, 1967, because of um, the uh, I-375 coming through uh, uh, Black Bottom, displacing a lot of people, a lot of them get moved over to 12th and Claremont. So when you have the... Um, disturbance that that happens at the uh what was called a blind pig 
July 23rd, you have a lot of people who are already upset and angry because they were displaced from the Black Bottom area. So Black Bottom was a residential area, and this is where you had, uh, this is where I-375 went through. This is where you have Hastings Street, and you had Paradise Valley, which was the entertainment district, okay? And uh, a lot of that is under uh, the I-375 freeway with not, right now. But that went all across the country. U.S. Interstate Highway Act of 1952 and 56 drove about 41,000 miles of U.S. Interstate Highway all throughout uh, the country and displaced, you know, thousands of African-American-owned businesses. If you read How White Folks Got So Rich, the Untold Story of American White Supremacy, um, from the Nation of Islam Research Group, they put the uh, total at uh, about 1,600 African-American communities across the country. They deal with this in uh, addition uh, third edition, which came out in, uh, I think that was about 2016 or so, of um, how, white folk, how White Folks Got So Rich, The Untold Story of American White Supremacy. And we already talked about uh, C.L. Franklin being an ally and uh, a friend of Dr. King. We talked about that some uh, already. All right. Let's continue. Okay, so in St. Louis County, um, let's see, what was this? This was a couple weeks ago. This article came out August 10th, 2018. Uh, this dealt with the county prosecutor election. And Bob McCullough, Bob McCullough, if that name sounds familiar, that is the uh, prosecutor who refused to prosecute uh, uh, the killer of Michael Brown. Okay. We know Michael Brown was shot and killed August 9th, 2014. So Robert McCullough, uh, who's 67 years old, had, had held that uh, position as St. Louis County prosecutor for more than 25 years. And um, the, the election that just took place, uh, he was ousted by Wesley Bale. Now, Wesley Bale is an African-American man. He was, he was a judge in that area. And he was not favored to win. Wesley Bell was not favored to win. But African-Americans said, we're going to organize, and we're going to vote for this brother. And he got 57% of the vote. And the polls were saying that he wasn't supposed to win. So Wesley Bell told NBC News, quote, this election was clearly clearly a referendum on the need to reform the criminal justice system to make sure it's fair for all. He said the idea of reform has taken hold all over the country. And more and more people are realizing that 95% of your prosecutors are white, majority white males, and uh, more and more realizing if we want to get some type of justice, then the bad prosecutors, we need to vote them out of office because these prosecutor positions, these are elected officials. So we can organize, vote them out of office, and we can run people who are going to be good prosecutors. This is what they, this is what they did. This is what they did in um, um, Chicago, in the Chicago area. Uh, Cook County State's Attorney Anita Alvarez, who it took her 400 days, to um, 
to charge uh, the killer Laquan McDonald, and everything was on video. They ran Kim Fox, who's an African-American attorney, against her, and Kim Fox won. Ousted Anita Alvarez, okay? So more and more across the country, more and more people are realizing we need to vote for these county prosecutors, okay? Vote the model office. So this was good news. Check out this article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Wesley Bell ousts uh, Bob McCullough for prosecutor in St. Louis County, okay? All right. So this morning on um, Politics Nation, Reverend Al Sharpton interviewed Amarosa Manigault, okay, Newman, Amarosa Manigault Newman, and she's been dropping mixtapes this week, got the White House on edge, is scared to death. It's come out that she has some 200 audio and video recordings. She has had a recording of John Kelly in the Situation Room, and you're not supposed to take cell phones into the Situation Room. But they talked about it this morning uh, with Reverend Al Sharpton. Let's go to this clip here. Manigault Newman's war of words with the Trump White House continues to escalate as the Associated Press reports that a handful of audio recordings she's already begun to release are just the tip of the iceberg. That includes video, email, and text messages that deterrence may uh, come in handy as the White House has initiated legal action against Newman and the publisher of her new book, Unhinged, an insider's account of the Trump White House. It's where she details the breakdown in her relationship with the president and his staff. Joining me now is former White House aide Amarosa Manigault Newman. Good morning, Amarosa. Good morning, Ralph. Now, let me say this. Last April of 17, you came to National Action Network's convention at my invitation, and you spoke on behalf of the president and his first 100 days. Uh, I got up behind Mm -hmm. you and disagreed vehemently. You left. You wrote about it in your book. And you and I haven't spoken since then. But we have known each other a while. You were even a member of Nash Action Network. I used to see at Essence uh, Music Festival, met your mom. So I know you, unlike a lot of people that don't uh, know your background. You worked in the White House before. You're not just somebody that uh, just ended up where you are by accident. But many people felt, why is she there with Donald Trump? He is a bigot. He's a racist. And you, I raised the National Action Network uh, uh, event, not for you and I to continue our argument, but to say you really <laughs> went out there and tried to convince us to give you a chance that you could work and get this president to do some things. And now you've come to say, hey, this man is a racist. This man is doing things in many ways. So it's not like you didn't do your job. Is that... Maybe right. you couldn't do your job. I'm a living example. Somebody that had a uh, uh, friendship with you, that you went up to your friends that was calling you names, sell out and all of that, and tried to convince us to talk to this man. 
I did. And Rev, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. And you're absolutely correct. We have a long history. Yes, I served in National Action Network in Los Angeles under KW Tulis and on the front line of all the initiatives that you were trying to push to help the community. When I went into the White House, I wanted to extend that advocacy. I mean, one of the things you talk about is it's very important to have somebody at the table and to not allow them to make decisions about us without us. And so my intent really was to make sure that I was a voice advocating for education, advocating for justice reform, civil rights. There's so many things happening in this administration while they were trying to dismantle one by one every accomplishment that President Barack Obama did. I wanted to make sure that I was in there to preserve the things that he worked for and so that we can advance. But unfortunately, I think you've known Donald Trump longer than I have. He has a very destructive spirit. And what I saw within those first 100 days disturbed me greatly. And that's why I wanted to write about it in Unhinged. Now, you, you, you said that you came to understand this destructive spirit. Is Donald Trump, in your mind, a racist? Yes, Donald Trump is. And I have to tell you that I have always given him the benefit of the doubt. Um, people ask me about when he was doing the birther movement. I had a chance to talk to him about it. And he said that was something that the Clintons started during their campaign against Barack and that he was just using it for political reasons and to rally up his base. Every single time he had some type of issue with the community, I was there. I was the person in the room that could take him to task about that. But the one thing that I realized once I was in that he was disingenuous about his commitment to diversity. He could care less if African-American civil rights leaders, anyone came to the table because he had his agenda and that agenda did not include advancing and uniting the African-American community or even putting any policies in place that he promised during the campaign. I think you'll remember that campaign. He said, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Well, with this White House, we have a lot to lose. Yeah, I, I remember, and, and you and I did talk about that. He called me after he won, mm -hmm. invited to meet me to meet and I told him I wouldn't come for a photo op. It had to be a serious meeting with other leaders. And you called me and I said, Amorosa, I'm not going to be a prop. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And he tried to get you to convince me to come. So he talks one thing yeah, and he... all Sharpton's a con man, all that. And, and privately, get him to do this, get him to do that. But it's all it's stagecraft. It's not serious. Yes, he, he's a performer. He wants to use people as props. He did tell me, get Sharpton on the phone. I want to sit down with him. He said that privately, but publicly he was trying to use you to get people to go against the advocacy yep. work you were doing or even to go against the Democrats. So your instincts were right. I did call on you because I did need to have some backup. But I think what they quickly realized at the White House, they felt like, okay, if the black community is against her, then we can undermine everything that she's doing. So I was fighting on it inside and I understood why African Americans may have been concerned about me being there but I think once you look at what I've talked about about my journey in unhinged they'll realize that I truly was getting tackled by my teammates every single day in that White House yeah that's one of the chapters tackled by your teammate let me ask you is the New York Times right do you have more tapes more videos more emails is there more there um, Absolutely. I have this huge um, kind of 15-year record with Donald Trump, and I'm very good at documenting my life, documenting things that happened, but particularly things that were peculiar to me. And, you know, I think that I showed when I shared that tape of General Kelly when he took me in the basement of the White House into the Situation Room. Had I not had that tape, Rev, 
then I think it'd be very hard for people to believe that I was threatened by this four-star general with things getting ugly for me or damage to my reputation. It was very important because in Trump world, everybody lies. I mean, it's a culture of deceit. People turn on each other very, very quickly, and you have to have documentation for everything that you do, even Trump. In the morning, he may say one thing. By the afternoon, he's flip-flop. He's all over the place. And so the question about whether I, or not I do, absolutely. I have this vast historical knowledge and relationship with Donald Trump, 15 years. And I've been very good about documenting the evolution of that relationship, which is what I put in my book, Unhinged. Well, okay, let's pause it there. Okay, so uh, you can check out the rest of the interview. It's at msnbc.com. It's called One-on-One -on -one with Amarosa. MSNBC.com, just uh, search for Politics Nation. You can watch the uh, interview in its entirety. It's about 12 minutes and some change. Okay, well, look, August 23rd, 1998, the United Nations recognized the International Day for the Remembrance of the Slave Trade and its Abolition. The International Day for the Remembrance of the Slave Trade and its Abolition. The date commemorates the economic and social roots of the transatlantic slave, transatlantic African slave trade, the largest deportation in history, okay? Um, National Geographic has an article about this, uh, nationalgeographic.org. 1998, International Day for the Remembrance of the Slave Trade and its Abolition, okay? Uh, BlackAmericaWeb.com uh, also has an article from August 23rd, 2017. Little known black history fact, International Day of Remembrance. Okay, so between August 22nd and August 23rd in 1791, the enslaved Africans gathered in revolt against the French colonizers in St. Dominique, which is now known as Haiti. The revolution wasn't without heavy casualties as about 200,000 Haitians perished in comparison to 75,000 French troops and 25,000 white colonists. Around 45,000 British troops were also killed. The British and the Spanish were allies of the French, okay, in the Haitian Revolution. The clashes raged, raged on until the country ousted France occupation in 1804. So we know January 1st, 1804, the Haitians declared their independence. Now, the International Day for the Remembrance of the Slave Trade and its Abolition has been recognized annually since 1998, marking the start of the Haitian Slave Rebellion, also known as the Haitian Revolution. African men and women revolted against being sold into slavery and helped push along an end to the cruel transatlantic slave trade. Okay, UNESCO began the day to commemorate the start of the uprising, which called to global attention the horrors of the slave trade and the great cost of life as a result of its practice. The Day of Remembrance first took place in Haiti, then was recognized the following year in Senegal. In several nations around the globe, the day is marked by gatherings and related events to the uprising and the uh, uh, abolishing of the transatlantic slave trade. Okay, so uh, this coming week, August 23rd, uh, is the International Day of Remembrance, Remembrance, and we know that on Saturday, August 25th, Professor James Small, one of our great Grandmaster Scholar Warriors, will be at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, 6 p.m., I guess it ends at 8 p.m. Uh, it's for a screening of the documentary, 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti, which deals with the history 
of the Haitian Revolution from director Tariq Nasheed, uh, who is the director of the Hidden Colors documentary. So I'll be there as well. Come on out of screen, open to the public. And uh, you don't want to miss this. We'll try to get a flyer up at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. But you can visit TheRight.org, W-R-I-G-H-T, TheRight.org. They have information there. Okay, so last week, um, what was it, uh, Saturday, August 11th, I was in uh, San Diego last weekend at Return of the Gods, 2018, The Real Family Reunion. And here's an excerpt of the presentation I did, one of two presentations. This one is called Great African Women and Men in History, the Mothers and Fathers of Civilization. Let's go to this clip. It's an honor to bring up the next speaker, next artist, next performer. So please put your hands together and show your love to Michael M. Hotep. All right. Get a DJ round of applause. All right, y'all a little slow on that, giving the DJ a round of applause. Give him another round of applause. He was here before I got here this morning. I got, I've been here since 9.45 a.m. He was here before me. All right, so, how's everybody enjoying themselves for Return to Guys 2018? All right, so, I am Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, research, and lecture writer. And uh, this presentation is going to be uh, 20 minutes. I'm doing a one-hour lecture tomorrow here, but this is an intro to that. So this presentation is called Great African Women in History, Great African Women and Men in History, the Mothers and Fathers of Civilization. Uh, I did a four-hour lecture last year called Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization. I deal with some well-known and not-so-well-known African women in our history. Today, I'm going to do just a 20-minute uh, presentation deal with women and men, but the two main inspirations for this presentation. Number one, uh, the film Black Panther that came out February 16, 2018, and the uh, interest that it caused African Americans to have in understanding and learning about their history and culture, things like this. And then also the Charlottesville, Virginia attack of uh, August 12, 2017, okay, the attack in Charlottesville, which uh, this weekend celebrates that one, or commemorates that one-year anniversary, all right? Also, be sure to go see the movie Black Klansman, Black Klansman from Spike Lee, because I saw it last Saturday in Detroit, and it deals with Charlottesville as well. All right, now, in this presentation, I may say some things that are outside the circumference of some people's awareness. Just because you never heard them before does not mean they're not true, just means you have to do some research to understand what I'm talking about, all right? And I've done uh, actually four presentations, four different lectures dealing with the film Black Panther. So after this, be sure to visit my vendor table outside. Just walk straight out the door, uh, straight back to that fence, just straight out the door, takes you to, African Hi to the African History Network. All right, so uh, how many people saw the film Black Panther? Okay, good, good. Excellent, excellent movie. I deal with it on a number of different levels. It's very deep on a number of different levels. So the film Black Panther is causing many African Americans to want to know their history and who they are, okay? There was a big interest in African American History Month, which used to be called Black History Month, uh, in February 2018, and many African Americans are doing DNA testing like from AfricanAncestry.com. That's basically the only one to use, AfricanAncestry.com. They don't sell your DNA. 
They're African-American owned and operated, and not only can they tell you which region of Africa you're from, but they can also tell you which tribe, nation, high culture you're from, whether you're Hausa, whether you're Yoruba, things like this, whether, you know, whether you're Wolof, etc. okay? All right, so, uh, in, in, the, in the film, we saw them say, show them who you are, right? When we saw the ritual combat and T'Challa uh, doing the ritual combat to gain the throne, we saw them say, show them who you are. Well, before you can say, show them who you are, and, and before you can show them who you are, you have to know who you are, Ashe. Got a little slow on that, Ashe, Ashe. Before you can show them who you are, you have to know who you are. Is that correct or wrong? Uh, absolutely. All right, now, here's one of my heroes, Malcolm X, asking a very simple question of who are you? Let's take a, let's listen to this. Who are you? You know who are you? Don't tell me a Negro. That's nothing. What were you before a white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? What was your name? It couldn't have been Smith or Jones or Butch or Powell. That wasn't your name. They don't have those kind of names where you and I came from. No, what was your name? And why don't you now know what your name was then? Where did it go? Where did you lose it? Who took it? And how did he take it? What song did you speak? How did the man take your song? Where is your history? How did the man wipe out your history? How did the man, what did the man do to make you as dumb as you are right now? All right, so give it up for Malcolm. Okay, what happened to our history? Okay, what did the man do to make us as dumb as we are right now? So to answer the question of who are you, we get into understanding great African women and men in history. All right, now contrary to popular belief, unlike the 400th year ceremony commemoration that's gonna take place last year, African people did not first come to this land we call the United States of America, August 20th, 1619, in Jamestown, Virginia. Even though that did happen, we were here for tens of thousands of years before that. How many people are familiar with Dr. David M. Hotel? Dr. David M. Hotel is a friend of mine. He wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. He's a friend of myself and Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene, one of my teachers back there. You see Professor Kaba in the Hidden Colors documentaries and we're in the Black Friday documentaries together, as well as Elementary Genocide Part 3. So, Dr. David M. Hotel holds the world's first ever PhD in ancient African history. His book came out in 2011. His book deals with 13 different disciplines, thoroughly documenting an African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years ago, found in Allendale County, South Carolina, discovered by Dr. Albert Goodyear, who just happens to be a white man, and he's not only just a white man, he's an archaeologist at the University of South Carolina. They found artifacts, architecture, campsites, carvings, Egyptian writings, footprints in lava, genetic M174D haploid groups dealing with DNA and genetics. That's deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA, linguistics, paintings, skulls, skeleton structures, and tools. His book has 713 footnotes. It's backed up by seven peer-reviewed articles, which is the height of academia, okay? So, and he has a new one coming out in the next month or two called The First Americans Were Africans Revisited. So this is the Khoisan. The Khoisan have the oldest. Okay, so we got to pause it right there. And, he, and in the book, he talks about the Khoisan, who have the oldest DNA on the planet, who come from Southern Africa. Uh, the, that full video is on, on my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, on YouTube. Check it out. It's about 23 minutes. It's uh, 
Great African Women and Men in History, Return of the Gods, 2018. Hey, if you want me to speak at uh, your next event or do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or give us a call, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can also donate to the African History Network, PayPal.me, PayPal.me, Forward slash the AHN show. I got to get out of here and make way for Pastor Mo. Hey, remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now is corrects wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. I know you all watched the movie Black Panther and saw Wakanda and wanted to buy a one way ticket straight to that magical place. Well, why not? The International Black Book is a cyber Wakanda a black wonderland. It is well overdue for the black diaspora to come together and build a global community where we can choose to buy black, travel black, and eat black. Place your complimentary listing of your business or agency. You are welcome at internationalblackbook.com, internationalblackbook.com. Sign up today. Are you looking to regain your health and vitality? Then visit NaturalLifeEnergy.com. That's NaturalLifeEnergy.com. It is an alkaline, plant-based diet website based on Dr. Sebi's methodology and nutritional guide, which supports the healthy expression of the African black gene, but it benefits everyone. Combat the ill effects of white supremacy that has brainwashed black people into eating foods that support the development of diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. Gain a better understanding of how to use a plant-based diet based on Dr. Sebi's nutritional guide to help heal your body and mind by reading Achilles' book, Alkaline Plant-Based Diet. Learn how to use herbs used in Dr. Sebi's methodology to help address complex diseases like lupus and IBS in his herbal book, Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Alkaline Herbal Medicine. Purchase Achilles books from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and other book retailers. Get your copies today. Zetegrity is a black-owned company and has managed to combine five of your most major cards into one. You have a charge card with unlimited purchase power, plus you can earn elite class rewards. You have a credit card which helps you build credit. You have a secured card where you can secure up to $15,000 on a MasterCard or a Visa with an unlimited amount. You have a debit card where you can withdraw money from any bank with no fees, and you have a prepaid card, which makes it easy to get, but without fees. There's no credit check. Everyone is approved. No direct deposit fees, no late fees, no transfer fees. You can start building your children's credit. It comes with a routing number and an account number for a direct deposit. Use promo code E3UT, E3UT and go to zblackcard.com. That's the letter Z, zblackcard.com forward slash E3UT and get your card today.